Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Thursday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris, and whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, listening on Podbean, or listening on Apple, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Thursday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some NFL coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple, or Podbean, all you gotta do is just hit that follow button and share it around with others. Now, we have X, Instagram, and Facebook. All you got to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy in the search engine, follow, like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You'll get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. There is a trivia question on today's Instagram story. Go and answer it, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Now, NFL day today. I'm excited. Uh, week seven NFL recap. I was one for three <laughs> in my games for last week. The top matches for last week on Pigskin Frenzy, one for three in picks. You're thinking, man, you kind of nailed it on the head, as you're all saying sarcastically. I, listen, expected it to go much different. Sometimes the game just hits you different. You know what I mean? Any given Sunday, any given Saturday, some of these games can flip-flop on a dime, you know? So, uh, yeah, one for three. Uh, you probably already you already know, if you're listening to the show, which game I got right. And I'll tell you which game I got right eventually. Now, we're also going to cover Week 8 preview and predictions. We're going to talk about the top matchups for Week 8, break those down. Uh, we also, you know, going to give you some update on a trade, a signing, as well as the Pigskin Frenzy Injury report. Yay, injury report. That means I'm being very sarcastic. I dedicated a whole segment to injuries. I do not like that. I still feel like we need to protect the players and limit, you know, you know, training camps and limit preseason games in order for a lot of these guys to play a full 18-week season. I cannot stand that these guys are getting hurt. It breaks my heart because they want to play the game they love, and I wish all of them a speedy recovery. But there's also returns to the field, which is good there. So we're going to break down the injury report. We're going to break down, you know, a trade that just went down before the deadline. Deadline is Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, Halloween, trick or treat. Trade deadline ends for Eastern Tuesday. And we're also going to talk about a big signing that happened yesterday. So keep plugging into Pigskin Frenzy. Subscribe to the channel if y'all are watching on there. Like each episode, leave comments below. Uh, also, Podbean, Apple, Spotify, if you're listening on there, share around with others, follow on there. On the socials, X, Facebook, and Instagram, just keep plugging in. Follow the pages there on Pigskin Frenzy and just keep up with everything up to date with Pigskin Frenzy. Also, message me. Don't be afraid to message me. Don't be afraid to comment and say what I'm doing wrong and talk about what I'm doing right. Or if you just want to talk about some football, if you have a question for me, I'll answer it on the show. Just keep plugging in to Pigskin Frenzy and give me feedback because that's what makes the show improve and that's what makes the show better in general. So let's talk about the trade and the sign before we break down into week seven recap. So off the field stuff that will bleed onto the field. The Titans have made a trade, ladies and gentlemen. This was reported about Monday. The Titans have traded safety Kevin Byard to the Eagles for a fifth and sixth round NFL draft pick in 2024 and defensive back Terrell Edmonds. The Titans get the fifth and sixth round draft picks for 2024 and defensive back Terrell Edmonds. The Eagles get safety Kevin Byard. The Eagles have been 
kind of, you know, on the heels, trying to trying to find a safety, and they found a safety in Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard is one of the most underrated safeties in the league, I would assume. Uh, he's done really well for the Titans, and I'm kind of excited to see him join the Philadelphia Eagles to help that secondary out in the backfield on defense. I, he plays good. He uh, he protects <laughs> he protects the backfield on defense very well. Uh, yes, of course, he's got a lot to improve on when it comes to you know trying to mix his coverages up, but at the same time, he's actually improved a lot better as the years have gone on, and I think Kevin Byard is a solid choice to be, you know, in the backfield for the Philadelphia Eagles, along with Reed Blankenship and Darius Slay, amongst others on that Philadelphia Eagles team. The Titans get defensive back Terrell Edmonds, who played in the Miami Dolphins game. He actually made an impact in the Dolphins game this past Sunday. So we're going to talk about him in just a minute. Terrell Edmonds played his final game as an Eagle Sunday. He goes to the Titans as they play against the Falcons Sunday. It's so crazy to think about. This is just so different. This is a little off topic, but not really. To think that you're an NFL player, and in one week you're in a uniform and in a whole new city, and then the next week you're in a whole new city in a different uniform. It's crazy crazy how that works. Uh, I'm talking to you, Mecole Hardman. I'm talking to you. Anyway, so the Titans have traded safety Kevin Byer to the Eagles for a fifth and sixth round draft pick in 2024 and even to back Terrell Edmonds. And there's really nothing to say here. Uh, I mean, Kevin Byer, they got their safety in Kevin Byer. Kevin Byer is moving to Philadelphia and Terrell Edmonds uh, goes to the Titans for two key draft picks in the 2024 draft. So, trade that happened during the deadline, and both teams got the deal done. Also, there's been rumors, and I saw this yesterday, that Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro wide receiver for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders and the Raiders, are working out a deal right now to find him a trade uh, that comes off the heels of, you know, uh, I mean, Devontae Adams being unhappy and a lot of guys being unhappy within the Las Vegas Raiders organization right now. Hunter Renfro seeking a trade. Uh, that's an interesting, interesting thing going on there. There's a lot of guys who aren't available for a trade, uh, and I'll give you an update on that right now. Linebacker and defensive end Brian Burns for the Carolina Panthers. They say that he is not available for a trade. Uh, speaking of the Raiders, wide receiver Devontae Adams is not available for a trade at this time. Uh, Giants running back Saquon Barkley will not being will not be traded during this time. There's also more updates on odds for the trade deadline. Running back Derrick Henry is expected to be a name that is being shopped along with wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. So the Titans are shopping running back Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins wide receiver. They, they just landed during the offseason. So it's surprising news that they're shopping both of them before the deadline. The Bills are the favorites to land running back Derrick Henry at this current time. We don't know. Those are just the, the, the odds and makers in Vegas betting right now. So I don't know. It's not a, a source on anything. It's just odds who are the favorite to land and Derek Henry at this time for his services. So uh, that's a little bit of what's going on during the trade deadline and what's happening uh, before Tuesday. I'm going to talk about the trade deadline a lot next week and give you all, all give you the the skinny, if you will, on who got traded and who landed where uh, as the results of the trade deadline came through. It's a big thing happening Tuesday. It's a big thing, and we're going to talk about it. On next Thursday's episode of Pigskin Frenzy, I was just giving you a little bit of updates because I said I was going to talk about it right now. So those were the trades. That's the trade that happened. Those are the trade deadline updates and who's being shopped and who is unlikely to be traded at this current time. Now, signing really quick. We're going to talk about that really, really fast before we go to the recaps. 
Defensive end and linebacker Frank Clark. Frank Clark. He is signed with the Seattle Seahawks. He is signing with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and let me go on and tell you something. This news broke yesterday. I was sitting there thinking, okay, since me, Cole Harbin is going back to the Chiefs, let's bring back the OGs. Let's bring back Frank Clark and, you know, let's bring back the OGs to Kansas City, right? Kansas City needs, you know, some guys. Uh, I say we like I'm a, a Chiefs guy, but I mean, I've been to Kansas City a, couple, uh, a lot. So, but anyway, Frank Clark signs with Seattle. Um, the team that drafted him, in fact, they, they draft Seattle drafted him in 2015, second round pick out of Michigan. Signs with Seattle, then leaves and goes to the Kansas City Chiefs and wins a couple of Super Bowls there. He was a, a, a good and a, a pretty solid threat on the edge for, you know, offensive linemen and for the opposing offenses against Kansas City. So a lot of people were thinking that him and Chris Jones were going to reunite up at, up at seven, up at front seven. Didn't appear to be that way. He's re-signing with the Seattle Seahawks. Um do not know the terms and conditions of the deal, but all I know is that Frank Clark is reuniting with Seattle and returning back to where he got drafted uh, in the NFC West. So Frank Clark goes to Seattle, expected him to go to Kansas City. I was totally kind of shocked about that, but nonetheless, can't, Seattle has a big boost on that defensive front. And they kind of need it. If he plays Sunday, that will be a good question. I expect him to play Sunday. So we're going to see what happens with Frank Clark. He got released by the Denver Broncos because he signed with the Broncos during the offseason after the Super Bowl win for what he had with the Chiefs. Uh, the, Chief, the Broncos released him, and he is now signing with Seattle. Most likely, and probably will, could suit up for the Seattle Seahawks against the Cleveland Browns Sunday. So, signings, trades, been through all that. How are we feeling? I think we're feeling pretty good. Keep plugging in. That's all I got to say right now. Week seven, because now we've got to get into some football, some on-field stuff. Week seven NFL recap. Let's break down the Baltimore Ravens and Detroit Lions game. You're like, no, let's not talk about it. A lot of Lions fans that are listening here are like, no, let's not talk about this game. We got to talk about it. I'm sorry. We have to. I picked the Detroit Lions to win this ball game. I said it was going to be a lot close. It was going to be close. Round 27-24, you know, round that score. I was dead wrong about the whole game itself. Final score, Ravens 38, Lions 6. Wow. It was a game where the Lions kind of ran into a wall a little bit, it seemed like. Uh, they go to Baltimore. They end up getting, you know, punched in the, punched in the mouth a pretty good bit, and 38-6 is what the outcome was. Let's go with the stats, and then we'll talk about the game. Lamar Jackson was 21 for 27 with 357 yards and three touchdowns, nine carries with 36 yards and a touchdown. He had four total touchdowns with a total yards about 393. I think he was impressive in this game. Gus Edwards, 14 carries with 64 yards and a touchdown. He also had an 80-yard reception. Zay Flowers, four receptions with 75 yards. Mark Andrews, four receptions with 63 yards and two touchdowns. Odell Beckham, five receptions with 49 yards. Rashad Bateman had two receptions with 36 yards. Nelson Aguilar had a 12-yard touchdown reception. And the Ravens defense played a stellar game, led by defensive back Arthur Mollett and safety Kyle Hamilton as they both combined for a 14 total tackles and safety Geno Stone ultimate an impact with an interception 
Let's go with the, the Lions really quick before we break down the game. Jared Goff, 33-53 with 284 yards and an interception. Jameer Gibbs finally seen some action for this Lions offense. He's hadn't been seen a whole lot, been playing a whole lot, but now he, he played a, a good chunk of this game. 11 carries with 68 yards and a touchdown. Nine receptions with 58 yards. Amon Ross St. Brown, 13 receptions with 102 yards. Sam Laporta, six receptions with 52 yards. And safety Kirby Joseph with 10 ta- total tackles and safety Tracy, Tracy Harris the third with seven total tackles made the biggest impact for this defense they defense did get one fumble but other than that they couldn't get much going later on in the game they only you know they got 38 points put up on them and the Lions only scored six to capitalize and answer back the points that were being scored on them so the whole game was a premise of the Lions kind of looked a little a little like out of sync a little bit uh, for the first time this season, it looked like the defense kind of got roughed up in the line of scrimmage in, in, in the battle up front. I think in the battle up front was, it's weird because Benito Sanchez is on the team. You got guys like Benito on the team. You got guys like Aiden Hutchinson uh, on, on the line. And, and those guys are getting beat up front when normally this season, they haven't been beat, getting beat up this season against the Chiefs. They look good against Kansas City and they won the line of scrimmage battle against Kansas City. But Baltimore was like the, like the first time where they lost up front. And I feel like the Ravens just kind of exploited and picked their matchups right and ended up capitalizing on a lot of the, the, the mismatch of opportunities that the Lions presented to them. So the, the Ravens look really solid on offense. They look pretty good on defense. They only held the Lions to six points. And the Lions have been scoring more than six points a game. They've been scoring up to 20, 30 points a game. So pretty solid job overall in all aspects of the game by the Baltimore Ravens. Final score, Baltimore 38 Detroit 6. The Lions go back to the drawing board. We'll see what happens here. They play the Raiders Monday night on Monday Night Football, their first Monday Night Football game since 2018, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that. I think it's 2018. But And then the Ravens lining up in the AFC North, still the, the top of the food chain, had another impressive win against the Detroit Lions. Let's see what happens with the Ravens here. Moving on. Moving on to that one. Broke down the game a little bit. They just seemed a little bit out of sync compared to Baltimore. Cliff notes here. Baltimore was the better team that day. The Lions, I still believe in the Lions. My opinion didn't change on them. Ravens 38, Lions 6. So let's go and move on to the Chiefs and the Chargers. The game I got right. (laughs) The game I got right. I'm just going to spoil it. I picked the Chiefs to win, and they did. Final score, Chiefs 31, Chargers 17. Let's read the stats, and I will tell you about the game. Patrick Mahomes, ladies and gentlemen, 32 for 42 with 424 yards and four touchdowns with an interception, four carries with 29 yards. Four touchdowns and 424 yards. He's a a lethal weapon. He is a lethal weapon. Sorry, I was looking at my pen here. Uh, It was open. I was like, oh, I hope I'm not getting anything on my hands. But he's a lethal weapon. Mahomes, face of the NFL, best quarterback in the league, by far, 424 yards. He leads the league in passing touchdowns as well. Isaiah Pacheco, 13 carries with 32 yards, four receptions with 28 yards, and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, unbelievable. When Taylor Swift's in the building, ladies and gentlemen, he goes off, okay? And it's the truth. It's statistically proven. He goes off. He averages 46 yards, you know, per game without Taylor Swift. And when she's in the building, 
He averages about 100 yards per, per reception. So, I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. 12 receptions with 179 yards and a touchdown for Travis Kelsey. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, three receptions with 84 yards and a touchdown. Rasheed Rice, he's getting better and better as the game goes on. Five receptions with 60 yards and a touchdown. The Chiefs defense stepped up and caused some disruption for the Chargers offense. That included two interceptions, one line, one by, by defensive back Legereus Sneed and one by safety Brian Cook later in the game. Let's talk about the Chargers really quick. Justin Herbert got 17 for 30 with 259 yards and a touchdown with two interceptions. Joshua Kelly, seven carries with 75 yards and a touchdown. Austin Eckler, 14 carries with 45 yards. Joshua Palmer, five receptions with 133 yards. Kenyon Allen, four receptions with 55 yards. Gerald Everett, three receptions with 26 yards and a touchdown. And safety Dean Marlowe, a defensive back, Asante Samuel Jr. with the highlights for this defense with 11 total tackles from Marlowe and an interception from Samuel. Other than that, there was kind of trouble stopping the Chiefs offense and the Chiefs put up 483 total yards of offense on the Chargers. Breakdown of the game itself, 483 total yards of offense. They're still it's still one of those things where, yes, there is some improvement along the defense, the secondary and the defensive backs from the Chargers. I mean, look at Asante Samuel and Dean Marlowe. 11 total tackles from Marlowe and an interception from Asante Samuel. They were covering some of the guys well. Um, and there were some there were some just some key moments from both teams where they showed signs of flaws. The Chiefs are six and one now. Chargers are two and four. But when you look at the Chargers, there just seems like a little bit more flaws than the Chiefs. Obviously, the Chargers. Let's break down the Chargers before we break down the Chiefs really quick. I usually break down winners first, but let's talk about the Chargers. Again, I say it as much as I beat with a dead horse with the Los Angeles Chargers. I say they could be so much more than they actually are. They really could be. They could be so much more. And if you're looking on YouTube, looking at me dead in the face, they could be so much more than they actually are. It's just coaching, I think. And I wholeheartedly believe that. I think the Chargers, I think their coaching needs to, needs to improve or change. I think the Chargers have a solid team on offense. They got Austin Eckler. They got Kenyon Allen. They got Justin Herbert. Mike Williams, even though he's hurt, you know, it, it's just... It's just my honest thoughts on it. I think that they look, in my opinion, they look great player-wise and skill-wise. They got Asante Samuel in the backfield and secondary. They got Derwin James. They got Dean Marlowe. They got a lot of these guys up front. They got Joey Bosa on the front seven. Khalil Mack. They got Khalil Mack. Guys, I mean, it's one of those things where for the Chargers, and you look at everything, it's they got some good talent on that team, but two and four. They're not a two with the talent that they got, they're not a two and four team. It's got to be coaching. The reason why the defense is like total, you know, total 32nd in defense and almost dead last in defense is because of coaching. And I, I honestly agree with that statement. Uh, I think that the Chargers need to improve in that department, and I think that the Chargers need to, you know, try to figure out a way to improve and get better. So uh, the Chargers, 2-4, and four, 483 total yards of offense. That shouldn't be happening uh, game by game. 
for the Los Angeles Chargers, not with the talent that they got. So something's got to gotta change for the Los Angeles Chargers. They could be so much more than they actually are currently. The Chiefs, they look good in pretty much every aspect of the game. I would say there were some areas on defense where they could have improved. Uh, a few plays that, that they gave up on defense was kind of iffy. Even though they're a top five defense, even though they're a top, they're top two in special teams and top four in offense. Uh, I think number four in offense, number two in special teams, and number five in defense, which is surprising. Uh, they're top. They're they're the only team in years that have been top five in all categories and all aspects of the football game. Impressive by Kansas City, especially when you're coming off of a Super Bowl win and a Super Bowl season. Impressive. And, it, and it's scary to think about, you know, who's going to stop them in the AFC. I don't know necessarily right now, but uh, the six, they're six and one. They're rolling. Uh, I would say a little bit is clean up a little bit of the penalties. I think penalties uh, and, and a lot of these these penalties against like like the false start penalties that they had could have been a thing that could be controlled. I would say clean that up and everything's fine. Overall, the Chiefs look good. Uh, they're rocking and rolling. They got a game against the Denver Broncos coming up, and they are looking like they're trying to go seven and one and roll until you know a couple of weeks. Week ten is their bye week, so they got their next two games against the Broncos, and the Dolphins, a date with destiny against the Broncos uh, against the against the uh, Miami Dolphins in Frankfurt, Germany. So we're gonna see what happens November fifth there. But the Broncos are coming up Sunday once again. Final score: thirty-one seventeen. Chiefs route the Chargers. Chargers again could be something better than they actually are right now. Chiefs are looking to keep rolling, and they are the favorite, obviously, in the AFC. Moving on to a team that I said that was going to win and was up there with the Chiefs as the favorite to win the, win the AFC, and they still are. They can still compete, but Sunday, I was way off, and Sunday night, I gave the, I gave the, I gave the Dolphins good amount of credit, which they deserve, but I slept on the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. Excuse me. <laughs> Final score, Eagles 31, Dolphins 17. Jalen Hurts, ladies and gentlemen, played cold. He was cold. And I'm not talking about cold in a bad way. He didn't. He wasn't making a mistake. He, he made only one blemish, and that was an interception. But he played like a mad. He played like an MVP caliber player. He played cold, ladies and gentlemen, as I pick up my pen. Uh, 23 for 31 with 279 yards, two touchdowns with one interception, 11 carries with 21 yards and a touchdown. DeAndre Swift, 15 carries with 62 yards, three receptions with 13 yards. Kenneth Gainwell had eight carries with 16 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Brown, 10 receptions with 137 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Brown played lights out, by the way. He played solid. Uh, Dallas Goddard, five receptions with 77 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Smith, four receptions with 49 yards. Defensive back Terrell, uh, Terrell Edmonds played his last game before being traded with the Titans with nine total tackles. Defensive back Darius Slay also notched an interception. Let me go with the Dolphins before I get to the breakdown of the game. By the way, the Kelly Green unis for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles looked pretty solid. So I thought those were pretty cool. Let's go with the Dolphins really quick. I thought those were really, really cool to see. 
Tua Tungavailoa, 23 for 32 with 216 yards and one touchdown with an interception. Raheem Mostert, nine carries with 45 yards, and he also had a six-yard six reception. Tyreek Hill, 11 receptions with 88 yards and a touchdown. Jalen Waddell, he hurt his back but returned. He had six receptions with 63 yards. I will keep you updated on Jalen Waddell uh, as they, you know, move ahead towards their week. Cedric, Cedric Wilson, two receptions with 48 yards. The defense played with a lot of intensity, but they just got outmatched at the very end. Later, later in the game. Linebacker Jerome Baker had 11 total tackles and a pick six. Defensive back Cater Kahu also had six total tackles and made an impact as well on the defense for the Dolphins. Now, breaking down the game, and when you look at you know the two teams, I slept on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are a team, when you look at them, that, okay, they, they kind of were playing teams close. You looked at, you know, for example, the Rams, when you think of how they were last year and you think of, oh, the Eagles, the Eagles should have blown the Rams out, right? Because the Rams are a team that's kind of rebuilding. Uh, the Eagles are prime and ready for a spot now, uh, but they kind of played them close and it was a it was a closer game than advertised, right? Everyone was th- talking about the Eagles, how they started and how they finished. But the Eagles played their first complete game in a long time, and I think a lot of people, including myself, slept on the Philadelphia Eagles this past Sunday. It was just hard to see because of the white hot offense the Miami Dolphins were presenting going into this game. I think that the defense played with a lot of intensity for the Dolphins. Again, they just got outmatched by some of those key players like A.J. Brown, like Dallas Goddard, like Devontae Smith. I think the Eagles are still a a top team in the NFL, and they showed that. I'm going to get to the 49ers in a minute, but my opinion has not changed on the 49ers. I still think the 49ers are one of the best teams, but I do not think that right now currently – they may not be the best team in the league. The Niners may not be the best team in the league right now because you got the Chiefs. you got the 49ers still. Uh, the Bills are kind of up and down, but the Bills are still hanging around in there, and you got the Philadelphia Eagles. you got teams like that out there that are vying for those top spots. you got the Miami Dolphins still. They're still in it at 5-3. and three. So and when you look at the Dolphins, I don't know. It's just one of those things where you look at it and it's just, I don't know. I don't know. We just got to see what happens there. My opinion has not changed, like I said, but the Eagles look pretty solid. They, I shouldn't have slept on them, and that was wrong of me to, to, to sleep on them. For I issue an apology to the Philadelphia Eagles. They look solid. Dolphins, they played with a lot of intensity up until later in the third quarter, and then they just kind of got outmatched, and that's, that's fine. It happens. I think the Eagles had a little bit, more talent on the defensive side of the ball to kind of slow down what the Dolphins were presenting on offense. So final score, Eagles 31, Dolphins 17. The Eagles look pretty good. Uh, Dolphins still look pretty good too. I thought it was a good game overall until in the fourth quarter and the Eagles just kind of ran away with it by 14. So Eagles 31, Dolphins 17. We're going to see what happens when Washington they play. They go to when Washington comes to town. The Eagles play Washington. We're gonna see what happens with the Dolphins this Sunday, coming up in Week Eight. So, moving on. Last game before we get to our injury report and break down Week Eight of the NFL. 
So, Monday Night Football, Vikings and 49ers. I was wrong about this one as well. I thought the Niners were going to come out. They were going to come out and they were going to pull pull it out. Close one. I was wrong about this. Final score, Vikings 22, 49ers 17. Kirk Cousins looked like a madman, ladies and gentlemen. You're talking about top 10 quarterbacks out there. They Justin Jefferson put the chain on him. He put the chain, top 10. Top 10 Kirk, guys. Top 10 Kirk. He played like it. 35 for 45 with 378 yards and two touchdowns with one interception. Alexander Mattinson, eight carries with 39 yards. Cam Akers, 10 carries with 31 yards and two receptions with 30 yards. Jordan Addison, that duo with Kirk Cousins was just electric. A good, a good, you know, a good substitute for the since Jefferson Jordan uh, Justin Jefferson is out uh, recovering from his hamstring injury. So seven receptions with three hundred with one hundred and twenty three yards and two touchdowns for Jordan Addison. T.J. Hawkinson eleven receptions with eighty six yards. Brandon Powell four receptions with sixty four yards. K.J. Osborne had five receptions with forty seven yards. And safety Cameron Bynum had racked up nine total tackles and two interceptions and was a big contributor to the Vikings' defense against the Niners. Now, going with the stats here, Brock Purdy, 21 for 30 with 272 yards and a touchdown with two interceptions, five carries with 19 yards. Christian McCaffrey, 15 carries with 45 yards and a touchdown, three reception with 51 yards and a touchdown, and this is following off the heels of his oblique injury, and he recovered from it. Now he's playing through it, I guess. So, George Kittle, five receptions with 78 yards. Brandon Ayuk, five receptions with 57 yards. Juan Jennings, five receptions with 54 yards. Linebackers Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner made big impacts with Greenlaw racking up 10 total tackles and Warner racking up 13 total tackles. Defensive back Javarius Ward had five total tackles and an interception as well. It was a stellar performance by the 49ers defense. Now, when you look at the game late, I feel like on the last drive, Brock Purdy kind of cost him a tiny bit. I think Brock Purdy, uh, a little bit with some of the decision making he made, was kind of kind of iffy. And I think in the long run, with the interception, is what cost him the game and sealed the deal for Minnesota to win a crucial game. As the Minnesota Vikings are now three and four, and the Niners are now five and two. When you look at the thick of things. A big contributing factor is was the decision making by Brock Purdy. I think overall the Niners had a, a solid game, just the decision making late by him. But when you think about it too, the Niners are really beat up, and that's not me making an excuse for the 49ers. They lost the game clean, no excuse. The Niners lost. The uh, the Vikings played a solid game plan. They put up a good game plan together. They played well. Kirk Cousins played like a top ten quarterback. Give all the credit to Minnesota. There was nothing that Minnesota didn't really do wrong in that game. They played lights out. That's my that's my thoughts on Minnesota in this game. But when you look at the Niners, they were beat up. <laughs> they were really beat up. They didn't play. They don't have Debo. That's a Debo is a big part of their playbook. I know you think that he may not be, you know, as effective as a McCaffrey or, you know, but in the throwing game and in the and as the as a Swiss Army knife kind of player. He has a lot of he's a he's a big part of their playbook. He he's missing he's he missed this game and he's missing Sunday. That's a big part of their playbook. Trent Williams is a big part as well. He is a big big contributor to that offensive line and he was out as well. So they were missing a big part of pass protection. So 
when you look at how beat up they are, they're beat up on defense, they're beat up on the offense, they're dealing with a lot of injuries. And I think that's a big part of why they dropped this game and why this game was so close at first. Not just the decision-making by Brock Purdy. That needs to change a little bit, and he'll evolve. He'll evolve. He's 3-1 and in primetime games now. So it's not like Brock Purdy's... It's one game. But when you look at... The injuries, I think the injuries are starting to be a little bit of a concern for the Niners. My opinion has not changed. But I'm going to dial back on saying that they're the best team in the league right now because with the injuries adding up, could they have that potential of being the best team if they don't have all their guys at 100%? So I don't really know that. But the Niners are still one of the best in the league. Uh, Final score, Vikings 22, 49ers 17. The Vikings look good. If they keep rolling like this, I expect them to come back and try to buy, uh, make a spot for themselves in the NFL playoffs. So we're going to see what happens here with the Minnesota Vikings. They look good. We're going to see what happens with Kirk Cousins and his contract status. That's happening during the offseason, though. He looks good. Top 10 quarterback for sure. This is going to keep a lot of eyeballs on Kirk Cousins uh, you know, after Monday. Uh, update on Brock Purdy. We'll get to that on the injury report in a minute. Final score, Vikings 22, 49ers 17. Vikings look good. Let's see what the 49ers do against Cincinnati coming up Sunday. So, pigskin frenzy injury report. That was the Week 7 NFL recap. I'm going to go through this really, really quick. Speaking of Brock Purdy and Debo Samuel for the Niners. 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel missed this past Monday, and again, he will miss the... Bengals game Sunday due to the hairline fracture in his left shoulder, and he will be reevaluated after the bye week. Uh, Trent Williams is still down. There's no update on him yet. Uh, Brock Purdy is now in concussion protocol, uh, as Kyle Shanahan announced in the 49ers press conference this uh, yesterday. Uh, he is in concussion protocol. We will see if he passes or not with flying colors before. Sunday's game against the Cincinnati Bengals. We will see what happens there. Maybe Sam Darnold time. Who knows? Uh, the NFL, and this is an interesting story coming out. The NFL is looking into, in, into the Falcons for the usage of running back Bijan Robinson after he was pulled from the Falcons game against the Buccaneers. He had one carry for three yards, and Coach Arthur Smith said that he was not feeling well, quote-unquote. And ESPN notes that Robinson said he was feeling completely out of it and stated and started feeling weird as well as having headaches on Saturday night, but did not add him to the injury report or notify the league. You have to notify the league about that stuff, and they didn't really notify the league. I don't know why. Do not know why and whatever, you know, what other aspects are going on with B. John Robinson. I hope he's feeling okay. I hope he starts to feel better and Thoughts and prayers are with him as well, but it is kind of strange. I, I would kind of like some clarification on why they didn't add him to the injury report and why they just pulled him all of a sudden if he wasn't feeling okay. And it was, he was feeling like this before the game. So that's why you got to add stuff and that's why you got to notify the league. And it's interesting. I just want some more clarification on that. And hopefully we'll get some more updates on that as well. Bills tight end. Dawson Knox will have wrist surgery, and his return is unknown at this point. Dalton Kincaid will step up tonight as the main tight end against the Buccaneers. We'll talk about that game in Week 9 in a minute. Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson was supposed to start Sunday versus the Seattle Seahawks. I had it in my notes. But now, according to head coach Kevin Stefanski, he passed concussion protocol, but his shoulder is still a little bit bothersome, and it's bothering him a little bit. 
So he will be out versus the Seattle Seahawks this Sunday, and P.J. Walker, quarterback for the Browns, will start in place for Deshaun Watson there. So good injury update there. Now, Giants running back Saquon Barkley returned a week ago against the Bills. I forgot to mention that. And he even scored the game winner against the Commanders this past Sunday. Barkley is back. We don't have any updates right now on Daniel Jones. He's looking day-to-day still. We don't have any updates on Andrew Thomas. He's looking day-to-day. And the Giants should be getting back some reinforcements coming up this week in a big game here. So... Chiefs linebacker Nick Bolton, he will miss the next two months after suffering a dislocated wrist this past Sunday versus the Chargers. He is expected to have surgery on his wrist. So that's the latest on the injury updates. Uh, One more big injury update, actually. Ryan Tannehill with his ankle will not play Sunday against the Falcons. Rookie quarterback Will Levis will start, and he will make his debut as the primary quarterback this Sunday. Malik Willis will also get a chance to play, but Will Levis will be the main quarterback for the team Sunday. So Ryan Tannehill will not play due to an ankle injury against the Falcons Sunday. That is the pigskin frenzy NFL injury report. And those are all the injuries that I have to report on. I will update you more on X and on social media as we get closer uh, to the, the weekend and as we hear more about updates on a lot of these injuries. So week eight, let's kick it off. Week eight preview and predictions before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. Tonight's game, Thursday night football on Prime with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit on the call. Buccaneers at Bills. Very underrated game. Both of these teams kind of need a win. The Bills had a heartbreaking loss against the Patriots. Mike Gesicki hit a, you know, I'm sorry, Matt Jones with Mike Gesicki hit a go-ahead touchdown to him for the win. 29-25 loss to the Patriots. The Buccaneers had a heartbreaking loss to the Falcons, 16-13, and now the Falcons have control of the NFC South. Both these teams need a win for their respective playoff hopes and just record because it's going to help later on in the season. So, Keys to the game, and let's break down both games. The Buccaneers need to find a way to contain Stephon Diggs and Gabe Gabe Davis. I think controlling the receivers that the Buffalo Bills have presented and and the game plans that they got for them this season, the receivers, now more than ever, are a big part of their game plan. Uh, and, And they have always been, yes, but... The way he has been going off and throwing the ball, usually in these games, and with the, the yards that Stephon Diggs has been getting, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would think that's that's a big, big key for the Buccaneers right now is to kind of slow down the pace and contain Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. If they slow him down and try to neutralize them from the the equation, then. Hey, it's football math, right? Easy peasy, and the Buccaneers could fi- find a way to sneak to a win. The Bills' key for this one is Josh Allen needs to play like Josh Allen and needs to play like him consistently. What I mean by that is play like Josh Allen and play like the MVP-type caliber quarterback that we know of, but yet again, play consistently. Play like this consistently. Drop 300 yards and three touchdowns a game. Go off like you have been doing, but then the next week, He's not, he's struggling a little bit. It's like an it's like an itch or something that you just can't get rid of. You gotta play consistent football and you gotta play your game consistently. I think if Josh Allen plays like himself and he plays it consistently, the Bills are a hard team to beat in reality. Uh, who is gonna win this game? It's gonna be close, honestly. 
I can see this game going either way at this point. Both teams need a win, but I'm going to say the home team favors it. Give me the Buffalo Bills winning this game tonight. I say it's going to be a close game. I, I would say by a score of 17-10. Most likely. Bills 17, Buccaneers 10. I don't think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. I think the defense for the Buccaneers are solid enough to try to keep them in this game. And I think the Bills beat them by maybe a touchdown within nine minutes of the fourth quarter. 17 Bills, Buccaneers 10. And Buccaneers move to 3-4 and four while the Bills move to 5-3 and three tonight. So moving on, Jaguars at Steelers. I haven't talked about the Steelers that much but it's about time we start talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are the most underrated team in the NFL. Listen to what I just said and just pay attention for a second. They are the most underrated team in the NFL. They have a win over the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, it's, a, it's, a t- it's a key division win, and they're up there. They're competing, and I would kind of keep note and take note on the Steelers. And what they got going on there. Jaguars, I would also take note on them. They look solid as well. This game is a team where both teams probably could afford the loss at this point. But maybe it could add up later in the year. Who knows? But Jaguars 5-2. and two, Steelers at 4-2. and two. Something's got to give in this game. Key for the Jaguars. Their defensive line wins the line of scrimmage battle. I think if they win up front in the front seven... They have a good shot at winning this game. It's led by Tavon Walker. Tavon Walker is solid, a solid defensive lineman and out of uh, Georgia from last season. He played a good rookie year. He's having a good sophomore season so far. Big key of component to the Jaguars' defensive line. If they win the line of scrimmage battle and add some pressure to Kenny Pickett in this offense, I think the Jaguars have a shot at probably you know pulling this one out in a close one. Now for the Steelers, Kenny Pickett's just got to create some explosive plays for the Steelers' offense. Just find the matchups, create and exploit those explosive plays like you've been doing, and then the Steelers are going to win. I think the Steelers can win the ball game. They could probably compete against anybody in the NFL and work hard at it because of what Kenny Pickett's doing and how creative he is with the offense. I like Kenny Pickett. I think he's been a very underrated asset to the NFL, and I think he's been an underrated asset for the core, uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Good draft choice for the for the Steelers, and it's proven this season right now that he's a pretty pretty solid draft choice. So I would say just let Kenny Pickett be creative in the offense and let him create those explosive plays to try to you know pick up those matchups, those correct matchups for the Steelers to win the game. Who do I have one in this ball game? Close game. I like both teams. I'm very high on both teams, but why not, man? Give me the Steelers. They're riding on a high wave of momentum. The Steelers won a game against the Los Angeles Rams this past Sunday after a bye week. The Steelers look solid. Give me the Steelers. Jaguars go to 5-3. and three. Steelers go to 5-2. and two. I say they win this game by a score of 28-20. Steelers 28, Jaguars 20. They go home with a loss of the Steelers. The Steelers keep up with a high wave of momentum. Five and two for the Steelers and five and three for the Jaguars. Steelers 28, Jaguars 20. Moving on, Bengals at 49ers. This game is interesting because of Bengals coming off of a bye week. They need a big win here. 
Uh, coming off a of bye week, they are three and three. They kind of need a big win here in terms of seating in the playoffs. If they make it to the playoffs, I'm not assuming or anything, or just for morale purposes, they kind of need this. They kind of need this game. Bengals are in a game where four seating. If they go to the playoffs, four seating stature, they probably need a win. They don't need to afford to lose too many. For the for the 49ers, five and two for morale purposes as well. They're kind of in a, a situation where they probably need the win as well. They've lost two straight. One to the Browns in an upset, and number two to the Vikings this past Monday on Monday Night Football. So they kind of are in these two teams are kind of in situations where they probably need to to probably pick up a win here. The key to both teams, and it's kind of simple. It's football one hundred and one. The 49ers need to control the line of scrimmage. Control the line of scrimmage. Uh, pressure Joe Burrow. Get sacks and let the and just beat the offensive line. The offensive line for the Bengals has been kind of struggling a little bit this year. So, and it's been costing them some some of these these past three games. So, I would say a little bit for the Bengals. Uh, pressure the Bengals offensive line, and for the Bengals control the line of scrimmage. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. For the Bengals' key, it's to control the line of scrimmage. Block for Joe Burrow. Let Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow hit up Jamar Chase or Mr. 7-Eleven, as he calls himself, always open on Sundays, right? Let him open up to Jamar Chase and let him connect bombs down the field and make creative and explosive plays for points. And if the, if, if the line can hold up long enough and control the line of scrimmage, the Bengals have a shot at winning this game. Who do I have winning this game? Close ball game. It's in Santa Clara. Normally, I would favor the home team, but I'm going to have to go with the Cincinnati Bengals in this one to upset the Niners and hand the Niners their third straight loss. Bengals by a score of 21. Bengals 21, 49ers 17. Bengals 21, 49ers 17. Similar score to the Vikings score this past Monday for the Niners. I think the Niners will go 5-3, and three, but they will come back from this. They will come back from it and still be in the thick of things come later in the year because the Niners are a playoff team. I think the Bengals need the win a tiny bit more than the Niners do. The Niners are not in desperation mode by no means, but I think the Niners at this point are beat up. And I think the Bengals have a shot at capitalizing on that. I think the Niners are beat up. They have a shot at capitalizing on that. So I think the Bengals pick up the win and capitalize on the injuries and on the the uh, depleted. It looks it looks like a depleted right now 49ers team due to these injuries. So 21-17, Bengals over the Niners in an upset to hand the Niners its third straight loss. Not not too many more losses for the Niners, but the Niners could probably afford to drop this one ahead of a longer season, you know, and it's still a hopeful season for the 49ers and could be for the Bengals if they pull off this upset win. Last but not least, before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy, the Browns and the Seahawks. I picked this game because I am kind of intrigued by it. I'm kind of intrigued because they're both four and two. They're both four and two. Both of them have got some good lines. And I think in the line, I think this this game is a very basic game, kind of like the Bengals and the 49ers. It's a line of scrimmage battle. And, and I think it's very, very key. Browns have t- statistically 
a top three defense in the league. Miles Garrett's been putting up numbers this season. He has been going off for the Browns. So let's talk about this game for a little bit. Browns defense for the win, for the for the key to win. They need to cause chaos for the Seattle offense, which means pressure Geno Smith into making some turnovers and some critical errors. Pressure them in general and, and cause sacks, cause, cause turnovers, cause a lot of miscues for that offense to, you know, think twice about everything, right? That's the key for the Browns. But for the key for the Seattle, Seattle team is the same thing. This defense needs to cause chaos for the Browns offense. And I think... It's a good opportunity for the Seattle defense to do that with Deshaun Watson hurt, Jerome Ford hurt. The injury bug has kind of bitten the Browns a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. When you look at it, I think this is the perfect moment in time for a a good key like this for the Seattle Seahawks to strike. They signed Frank Clark. If Frank Clark plays Sunday, he can be a big part of this. So key for the Seattle defense here. Both teams... On offense, a little bit, a little bit, you know, okay. They're not bad, but they're not the best offensive sides, best offensive teams. Uh, Kenneth Walker, I favor them in the running game for sure. I think Kenneth Walker is a solid back. Uh, when you break down the game, they win on the running game, the throwing game. Right now, Geno Smith is the more experienced quarterback out of P.J. Walker, but who's to say P.J. Walker doesn't have a solid game? Who knows what happens? I think this game's going to come down to who wins on the line of scrimmage, who wins defensively, and who has the better defense in this one. 4-2, four 4-2. and, two, four and two. Who do I have winning this game? I got Seattle winning this game close. I think the Browns are a solid team. They're an underrated team. I think with Deshaun Watson, they're a lot better. I think if Deshaun Watson was playing, and and I thought he was, yesterday my pick was the Browns because I thought the Browns were going to have Deshaun Watson. They don't have Deshaun Watson. Now my pick is the Seattle Seahawks. Give me Seattle winning this game. All these games are going to be close. I think this game will be closer. Give me this game. Seattle 21, 20, Seattle 24, Cleveland 21, Seahawks 24, Browns 21. They win the game. Seattle goes to 5 and 2 while the Browns go to 4 and 3. That just about does it for Pigskin Frenzy today. A big thank you for taking some time out of your Thursday. I need you to sit back and watch and listen to some NFL coverage presented by me. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Like each episode. Leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple. Share around with others and follow on those platforms as well. X, Instagram, Facebook. All you got to do, Pigskin Frenzy. Follow. Like the pages there. Episode updates. Trivia questions on Instagram stories. News and highlights from across college and NFL football and all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Just keep plugging in there. Big thank you again. Enjoy your weekend of football. It's going to be a good weekend, college and NFL weekend of football. Early Halloween treat for us as well. And Tuesday we'll be back as we discuss, you know, week eight or week nine of the college football season and going into week 10. And I will unveil the first set of the pigskin frenzy college football playoff rankings before the college football playoff rankings are revealed the night after the podcast comes out. So for everybody out there, I'm Joel Norris signing off and stay the course.